0: Good afternoon, everybody. Uneducated economist here. Had a viewer ask me to do a video talking about the junk bond market and if I see a sell-off occurring in the junk bond market come the future. Absolutely. At some point, we are going to see a sell-off in the junk bond market. We are going to see those yields begin to rise and the bond prices fall dramatically. When that occurs, I couldn't tell you. I would imagine it will happen sometime after the tapering from the Federal Reserve begins. Now, if you're not familiar with bonds, I'm going to try and explain them very simply. If you can imagine lending your money to the United States government, and if you lend your money to the United States government, they're going to pay you an interest rate. That interest rate that it pays is called the coupon rate. So when you lend your money to the government, you are buying a bond. That bond is guaranteed to pay you an interest rate. That interest rate is that coupon. So if you can imagine a series of coupons that you could tear off at the bottom of a bond, like this is the bond, there's a face value to it, there's a series of coupons at the bottom. You tear those off, you can go and cash them in once a year. That's what it's yielding you. Whatever that interest rate is, that's the coupon rate. There may come a time when you want to sell that bond. There may be an investor out there who says, I really, really want that bond. And you say, well, how much are you willing to pay for it? He says, I'm willing to pay you a premium. That is where the yield comes in. See, the coupon rate never changes, but it is going to pay the investor the same. However, if I sell it to the investor for a profit, that means what this bond is going to pay him would be less than it's paying me. So the yield to him is now less than the yield to me because I'm selling it for a profit. That's why yields work inversely to price. If the yields go up, the prices go down. If the yields go down, the price goes up. So that's why you see the number in the yield being differently than the coupon rate of the bond. The coupon rate doesn't change. The yield is different according to what the bond investor is purchasing the bond for. So that is the most complicated part of a bond. Like once you understand that, then it makes the rest of the whole bond market seem very easy. So now that you understand that this is an item that can be sold, the reason it can be sold back and forth is because it has an interest rate that it pays. The investor is looking for that interest rate. Right now, the investor is like, man, where can I find an interest rate? Where can I find it? And they're like, right there. I can buy it in these bonds. Now, unfortunately, the price of the bonds have gone up so much on these 10-year treasuries that the interest rate that it pays is like 1.2%. Not that the bond pays that. That's what the investor will get for yield after they have purchased the bond. So if you are going to lend the government some money, if you were back in like say the early eighties and you lent the government money, right, your uncle lent gave you inherited whatever happened, you ended up with a million dollars. And you took this million dollars and you bought ten year treasuries with it. Back in the early eighties, you would have collected a hundred, a hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year in interest payments coming from those US Treasuries. That's not a bad living for a million dollars being lent to the government. You can go live your life, buy cars, buy houses, go on vacation, do whatever you want to do. And all you have to do is just lend the government a million dollars. Fast forward to today, if you were to lend the government a million dollars, in 10-year treasuries, you would be paid like $12,000 a year. You can lend the government a million dollars and get paid back essentially nothing. Why would anybody do that? In fact, at this kind of yield, the price that you would have to buy that bond for and what it would yield back to you after you purchased it, if you were to lend the government money by buying those U.S. 10-year treasuries, you are going to get paid back less in purchasing power than if you just spent the money today. It would make no sense to lend the government money for 10 years. You are guaranteed to get back less in purchasing power. So why would anybody do it? It doesn't make any sense until you think about it from a speculation point see the price moves up and down so now investors aren't really so much looking at yield they're looking at price and they're watching that price move and if they think the price is going to continue to go up then they're going to chase that price and they will buy it at any yield it doesn't matter to them they aren't looking at the yield they're looking at the price does that make sense see back in the day back in the early 80s if you were to buy gold and back You know, anytime throughout history, they kind of said this up until just, you know, in the last few years, once we started hitting the the lower bound. But the bond investors, the see, like the difference that I see between investment and speculation, when you buy gold, when you buy Bitcoin, when you buy these things, you are speculating. When you buy a bond, when you buy a dividend paying stock, when you buy a rental income, you are investing, you are expecting to get some sort of return for putting the money out there. So there's a difference between speculating and investing. A lot of people mix that up. And really, if you look at it as two separate things, then it makes makes the whole idea seem a lot easier, especially when looking at bonds. Because originally, when you were purchasing gold, you were speculating that you were going to be able to sell that gold to the greater fool. Like at some point, the price will go up and you'll sell it off. Now, bond investors would say that gold is a dumb asset. It just sits there, doesn't pay you a yield, doesn't have any kind of interest rate, doesn't pay you any kind of dividend. It's just a piece of something that sits there that you're intending to sell. Well, bonds are now speculation because the yield that it pays means that by the time you get paid back, you will have lost your purchasing power. So why would you buy it? Because you are thinking or anticipating that yields are going to continue to go down into the future, which means the prices go up and you will be able to sell that bond for a profit. You are now speculating in the market. So now bonds have become a speculation the same as gold. There's really no difference between the two. At least from that kind of point of view. When we think about the junk bond market, so the investor who is actually looking for yield no longer finds that yield in the safe, secure asset of the U.S. Treasuries. They now have to search out ever riskier places to try and find that yield, to get that steady income, to get that higher interest rate. See, back in the day, you could lend your money to the United States government and get paid, you know, $100,000 a year. Today, you only get $12,000 a year. So those type of investors want to find somewhere out there to go, and that's why they are finding it in those junk bonds. Now, The more the appetite grows for this yield and they go into those junk bonds, the more people start to buy, then the prices go up and the yields begin to fall, right? Supply and demand. The more demand goes in there, right? Prices go up. So here's the situation with it. Is that the spread? The difference between U.S. Treasuries and those junk bonds, which used to be a lot, like you would lend your money to the U.S. Treasury or to the U.S. government, and you were guaranteed a return, well, the risk on it is very low. You lend it to the corporation, the risk is really high. So there used to be a very big spread between the two. Well, that is shrinking. It's getting closer and closer. So the risk that people are willing to take on is getting ever more risky. And the return, right the reward is diminishing and it's turning more into a speculation because they're no longer chasing the yield they're starting to chase the price which is a very dangerous place to be because these corporations may not be able to pay back the bond which means that if they cannot roll that debt into new debt then they have to start defaulting selling their stock Laying off their people or something, right? Default is the last option, actually. I said it first, but it's really the last. So this is the situation that I feel that junk bonds are coming into, is that the moment that these interest rates begin to rise, like once the Federal Reserve says, okay, we're going to back off on our quantitative easing program, and the investors say, well, if we don't have the guaranteed buyer of the United States government, the Federal Reserve buying the United States government debt if we don't have that guaranteed buyer the investors may be like well you know we're backing out and we don't really want to play this game unless they have a bigger yield to it so this is where you start seeing the prices drop and the yields start to rise if this happens then the yield starts getting closer and closer to those junk bonds the investors don't want to t- touch the junk bonds as they would be safer to be in the in the United States treasury does that kind of make sense? I hope I got that right Now, this is really where I feel that the inflation-deflation scenario starts to take place. Because if you think about what is inflation, inflation is the expansion of money and credit. Prices are the result of inflation. So when you see like the quantitative easing programs taking place, when you see people taking out a lot of money to buy homes, cars just expanding, that's taking on ever-increasing amounts of debt. That's expansion of the money supply, this ever-increasing amounts of debt. The moment that that starts to contract, then you start seeing a slowdown. That's the deflation taking place. The prices, those are the results. So those take time to enter into the economy and start showing the recognition from what's occurring as far as the expansion of the money supply. The other thing that goes with that is the money velocity. Now, the only way I can really explain this is to think about those bonds from back in the early 80s. You can lend your money to the United States government and they would pay you $100,000 a year. You could spend that money into the economy. That would make things move, right? You could buy cars, houses, go on vacation. You were spending that money. Now you lend your money to the government and you get paid back $12,000. You really can't spend that money into the economy, can you? See, the real growth comes from saving and investing and getting a return on that saving and investment. Right now, what we have is we have a debt-based system that's going into consumption. And when you do that, what you are promising is, is that I am going to purchase my stuff today and pay for it into the future. What happens into the future is, is that I have to not consume and pay down the debt. You see what happened there? When debt goes to consumption, instead of going to production, then the whole system begins to slow down once the consumption is done. We've talked about this with uh, beers and saws. Remember like, If you stimulate the economy with beer, like you can really stimulate the economy, right? You can imagine that beer is like the good times. It's the going on vacation, it's going out to eat, it's all the consumption that goes into it, right? Once you consume it, it's gone. There's nothing else you can do with it. So all the stimulus has gone into beer and everybody has had a great time drinking the beer. But really the investment should have gone into saws Because what you can do with the saw is you can take that saw and cut up boards, fasten them together, and then sell that product. One is for consumption. One is for production. And so all all this money has gone into the beers. Which means now we have to sit back and pay for all those beers that we have drank. Where if we had purchased the saw, we could be working and eventually the saw will be paid for. And that was saw will be paying us. So the debt has gone into consumption instead of in, going into production. And this is one of the reasons why I see a slowdown coming into the economy, the deflationary scenario. As we have to cut back on our spending to pay for those beers. You see where I'm kind of coming from? They want to do the infrastructure program. They want to do all that other stuff. That's going into saws. It's a little too late as far as I'm concerned because we have so much money that has been spent on the beers. Everybody had a great time with it. Now it's time to buy the saws. Nobody really wants to use the saws. That's a problem. So once you have this situation taking place where nobody is working, that will eventually cause a deflationary scenario because the growth that has taken place out there is going to shrink. Already, you're seeing the jobless claims rise. You're seeing over in Europe that they have sworn to keep the interest rates negative into the foreseeable future. I mean, they're pretty much like saying we can't seem to get the inflation that we're looking for. The Federal Reserve has done a masterful job of convincing everybody that there's going to be inflation coming into the future. They have the inflation expectation running at a very high. It's running up there. The only people who don't believe it is the bond market. They're watching the yields fall. They are not worried one little bit about inflation coming into the future. You can tell because the interest rates are so low. Now, there's a lot of reasonings for that. We can get into those things as well. I mean, a lot of that has to do with the Treasury General account drawdown. But still, there is a world market out there who demands U.S. Treasuries, and they are not worried about getting a 1.2 yield on a 10-year Treasury. That should say something about inflation. That should tell you something about what they anticipate is coming into the future. Um, Got a mail call for you guys, too. I don't know what else I can say to that. I hope I explained it all correctly, but anyway, uh, let's open up the mail. Let's show you what I got. Let's start with this one, because this is UFO engines for sure. I can totally tell, because only UFO engines would send a picture of Elvis. Uh, Let's see what he's got in here. Thank you, UFO engines. I really appreciate this. You always send me the coolest stuff. A bunch more postcards. Very cool. Oh, wow. That's a bunch of stuff. Alright. The Fed Comics came, so here's your share. Been working on some new postcard ideas along with Hunter Thompson, Nixon, the King, and the Roy-Con? Uh, bummer we didn't see them to have a Thompson these days Hmm. he could really turn a phrase hunter thomas down here says america just a nation of 200 million used car salesmen with all the money we need to buy guns and no qualms about killing anybody else in the world who tries to make us uncomfortable (laughs) wow very cool thank you so much ufo engines you Oh, a ten dollar bill. Thank you so much, sir. I really appreciate that. Very cool of you. Some of those postcards that he designs. Thank you, Mr. President, for making me a honorary narc to get the cool the school kids off dope, leaving just that more for me. Let me say just one more word on all this corn. It's got the king up there they say when you are sending your screenplay off to get rejected never put any pictures on the cover but it could help myself pictures make them mad (laughs) very cool it says will smut lord of wing lord of the wing I tell UFO Engines, I mean, he's, he's pretty interesting, some of the stuff. The story of the Federal Reserve System. Oh, bro, thank you so much. All right, on. Oh, I'm looking forward to reading this. Very cool. What it says. The story of the Federal Reserve System. Once upon a dime... A story of interest in supervision. The story of monetary policy. These are right on, bro. What is an economy? Explore wants and needs, goods and services, and other important parts of the economy. Man, this is bad. I love it. I can't wait to read through this stuff and see what they have to say inside of it, man. That is just right on. I very much appreciate it. Uh, where was the other one? Oh, here we go. And thank you for the $10 bill, man. That's really cool, you yeah. Uh Let's see. So, this one is from, Um. I don't know, what, I'll just say Jay from California. You know, you'll recognize what you're sending. To the uneducated economist, Simon, I'm a fairly new viewer of your channel, but since day one, I have been constantly blown back by your clear-headed perspective of the economy. You have quickly come one of my lead sources of unbiased, easily digestible information on current and future markets. By all accounts, I would consider you a very educated economist. Please continue to do what you do. A small token of my appreciation. Here is some real currency. If you haven't caught wind yet, look briefly into the recent supply chain breakdown of the meatpacking industry. I came across a few interesting videos on YouTube. I am not extremely versed in economics, but it seems questionably similar to the tightening of the lumber industry. Anyways, thank you for sharing your perspective. I've learned a lot. Sincerely, Jay. P.S. I'm a realtor down in California and balk at the thought of attempting to buy a home in the current market. If you ever have any questions about investing in real estate, mortgage programs, or leverage strategy, I've attached my card. Please feel free to give me a call or shoot me an email. No strings attached. It's the least I can do for the knowledge you've already shared with me. Take care, Simon. Thank you, Jess. Jay, J, um... I'm sure that you probably are cool with it, since you, uh, since you have a real estate company and you advertise. I don't know. I mean, I always feel bad that if, because I've I've like said people's names before and they're like, "Oh, bro, I wish you hadn't said my name." So I don't know if it's cool or not, but I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Let's see what she has sent here. That's really cool, of you man. Um, And to be honest with you, yeah, I do have some questions because I'm coming into a situation over the next 87 days, I have to find a place to live or I will be homeless. Now, in Astoria, there is very, very few places to rent. And that leads me to believe that I am going to have to really hunt to try and find something here in the Astoria area. I just dread the idea of having to leave. I mean, this is my hometown. I grew up here. This is where I have always lived. And to think that there is no place to rent is just is just amazing to me. Oh, right on, bro. Oh, very cool. Let me see if I can slide them out of here. in the plastic there. All right, on, man. You sent me two silver eagles. Very cool. What are they? 2021s. Awesome. Awesome, man. You guys always treat me so well. You know. I can I can't thank you enough. I just passed 75,000 subscribers, too. And I remember when I hit, like, 7,500 subscribers. I thought, man, I have built up a channel that has 7,500 subscribers, and now it's at 75,000. You know, I don't know what to say. Like, I mean, I know a lot of people are like, you know... It's like all the dedication and hard work and putting in the videos and stuff like that. And to me, it was... It wasn't something that I was intending on doing. It wasn't even like... Building a YouTube channel on economics was not even something that I was intending on doing. I certainly was never expecting that I would ever be invited to go and speak at a seminar. I mean... To think where this channel is going, what where it's taken me, what it's done for me. I mean, it's amazing. Like, there was a time in my life... Thinking that I was gonna be homeless in eighty seven days would have my stomach just absolutely turning. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. But thanks to you, the viewers, thanks to the YouTube, you know, the the rev I can't I can't thank you guys enough. I mean you make my life so much better. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Like you know, you, you hear those stories of people who are forced to move and, you know, they talk about like their kids are are bummed because, you know, they had to move all the time. My kids are excited. Like they're looking forward. They're asking like, can we get a house with the yard? Can we get a house with, you know, they're asking about all the cool things they want for for the house that we're going to get. And I'm like, yeah, sure, kid, if we can find one. And it's not about the money for me. Like it's not, it's, not, it's just no place to rent and that is scary that to me is a scary you know situation because like i don't want to leave a story this is my home this is where i grew up this is where i've lived my entire life so anyway sorry to go off like that uneducated economist you guys let me know